welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. Thank you for listening. David. Yes. How are you doing? Um, here's the thing. Um, I'm, I'm checking my calendar here, and it seems that I suddenly have about three free hours on the evening of Sunday, February 24th. Okay. All right. Because um, I had something scheduled for that time. It's odd you bring that up, because, as you know, that's, that's the day before my birthday, and I'm predicting not having that great of a birthday. <laughs> Probably for similar reasons. Um, yeah, this is, of course, uh, we're we're getting uh, at the Academy Awards, but um, yes. Kind of old news by the time this goes up. It's probably like a week and a half old. We didn't address it last time. But we're but, not the most topical show. That's true. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Seth MacFarlane as the host. Yeah. And it sounds to me like you are contemplating not watching it. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun to me. Like right. even... Even... Like, with, I'm trying to... I've, been, I've actually... Even though this isn't new news, I've been trying to figure out how to put this into words. Like, why it's okay for James Franco and Anne Hathaway to be the hosts. Um, and why, it's, why, why I will still watch... Not that it was okay. It was really, really bad. Right. But uh, why I will still watch that, but don't want to watch Seth MacFarlane. And I guess the thing is that I expected James Franco and Anne Hathaway to be, as actors, to essentially be delivering lines that were written for them. Right. Um, and uh, so it wouldn't necessarily be... I don't have any specific rejection of or, 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 or adverse reaction to the comic voices of James Franco and Anne Hathaway, whereas... And I think, for myself, because of their youth, and I think Anne Hathaway did this and James Franco famous, famously did not, um, I think because of their youth, whether they're actors or not, um, it helps that they are, but... Uh, I think there's there's an enthusiasm there to like a, an eagerness to please that I think is kind of why Billy Crystal does so well. Uh-huh. Um, and and Anne Hathaway, like I, I may have found her kind of annoying at times, but compared to like James Franco, who I actually got a couple chuckles out of. But by and large, he just felt like it's like about a quarter in. He realized like this is not working so you know what i'm going to distance myself from this and kind of have this too too cool for school attitude where she was still giving it 110 percent and i and like a hugh jackman same deal and mm-hmm. i feel like you need somebody who doesn't necessarily buy into the you know the oscars themselves but maybe at least understands that this is a neat fun thing to do uh if you do it right and that's my concern about seth MacFarlane. Well, is see, it's going to be I, ironic the whole time i don't think that's true i think that um seth MacFarlane is a uh an entertainer a, a, a showman he's i a think showman. Yeah. i think he will embrace that aspect of it i just don't think he i think he's painfully unfunny uh, as you as you recall i was in um i, I was in the small group of people who really despised ted right um and i uh i guess you know you guys who like stuff like ted you can you can have them I, i'm not interested and oddly enough here's the thing and I, I you know what i i by associating him with james franco i think i did something wrong here james franco was low commitment low energy seth MacFarlane will be high energy and use that to mask an ironic disconnect uh because I really think that he's going to try to be kind of a, kind of a bad boy type, 
but he'll still be energetic about it. I think you and I have a different idea of who Seth MacFarlane is. Oh, I don't man. I don't see him as trying to be ironic or or, or or distancing. But like I mean, when you think about it, like your your big complaint with Ted uh-huh. is that he uses the word Jew as a punchline, but that's not the punchline. He's using it kind of ironically, and that's the punchline. But to you, it's just like, yeah, but you're still using Jew as a punchline. But he, I, he's not, not being cynical, though. See, now I'm defending Seth MacFarlane. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to put you in that position. Uh, I'm, this is what I'm saying about how I just don't think he's funny. I, I think I don't think he will be any more uh, detached about the process than John Stewart was. Uh, I think I think John Stewart was uh, maybe even more, or, or Chris Rock, maybe even more. Uh, Chris Rock, I'll give you. D- detached. I think Seth MacFarlane will uh, is uh, a guy who's, um, despite the like shocking nature of his humor, uh, I think he's a populist, and I think, um, and that's not a. I'm not saying that is a bad word. Uh, I, I think he will aim to please. Hmm. I'm just my for my personal tastes. I don't think I can sit through it. See, and oddly enough, I feel like uh, John Stewart. I think he still understands that it is something of an honor to have been asked to do this, and I think he still buys into. And you don't the, think Seth MacFarlane thinks it's an honor? I think he it. thinks he's above it. I, I think that uh, the I, again, vibe that I get from him. You and I have gotten a very different impression of who this man is. Bo- both negative, by the way. <laughs> which, which is well, no, I, I actually think he's probably a a good, nice guy. Uh, I just don't think he's funny. I really do think Seth MacFarlane is probably a uh, would be a joy to hang out with. Hmm. I think if we were doing something he liked, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and you know what? I might I could be wrong. He might throw himself into it absolutely, you know, like completely and and totally commit to it and still not be funny, you know, like. But you that, got that's... but David, you know, on the week of, I'm going to pressure you to watch it because we got to do a show about it immediately after. Uh, I think it'd be fun to do a show uh, where I hadn't seen it. Where I just explain it to you? No, you would have. We would have a guest. Okay. Because you are more comfortable with a guest here. This is <laughs> this is a recent development with you, where you have grown sick of me. I've no. <laughs> and you want to have a guest whenever possible. Okay. Here's what happened. So, letting you guys behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, today's episode is going to be about TV, sort of. Uh, sort of. Sort of. Uh, and so I thought it would be fun to invite uh, Paul Goebel on the show because he's a TV guy. One could say he's the king of TV. Uh, yeah. I've I, heard I that think, a time or two. Oh, no, I think one does say that. <laughs> there is one person who says that with regularity. Very much so. Uh, and I believe it's that same guy that talks about how great Paul's hair is. <laughs> um, although he's managed to fool people with that. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, and so I, I thought it would be fun to bring another voice in for a number of reasons. One is there are times when I get sick of us. Now you took you took that as you, I get sick of you. Now uh-huh. you were probably joking, but there are times where I'm just like I, I get sick of us, and I project that onto the listeners. Like, aren't they tired of this yet? Like, there was something about <laughs> I was contemplating episode 300 coming up in a, in a couple months, and just being like 300 episodes of this shit. I wish I could say that means 300 hours. It does not. It means maybe 600, five to 600 hours. Yeah. Like that is crazy. And uh, like, and people still enjoy it. Like I found some people have grown sick of us and they stopped listening. Fair enough. We, and we are, we're, we're doing uh, fairly well with listeners right now. I know. So it astounds me. It, 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 uh, that's what I view it in a democratic sense where, uh, the people are going to decide for themselves 
uh, in that's free market podcasting. And right we there. should, yeah, we we should <laughs> just um, make the show we think is good. It was a combination of of that, but at the same time, I do you know. There are some guests we have that are that are great. I, I like pretty much all of them, uh, and some of them can can contribute to the conversation in ways that I did not expect. But as far as like really getting like getting into it, so to speak, uh, and kind of just going around and round like, and then by the end of it, I'm just exhilarated. That almost always only happens when it's the two of us. So uh, so oh. I don't get tired of that. Uh, the other side of it is that somebody like a Paul Goebel or somebody that by and large is not always serious and kind of silly a lot of the time. Uh, I do. I enjoy when somebody, when like a comedian or something, they're still funny, but like they buckle down and talk about something that they have some kind of authority on. And Paul, especially when he sits down and talks about TV, not kind of in a humorous sense, he'll make a joke here and there. But like, it, it sounds strange in in movies, on TV shows, and in life, when somebody sits and talks about something that they know all about, uh-huh. I love it. I enjoy watching people being good at what they do. I know that makes that's weird. No, and, I, uh, I, I I love that too. And on Paul's show, I love listening to it. I think he's hilarious, and and he talks about TV to a certain extent. But I feel like you and I, because we are nerds, like really heavy nerds, I think we push him to go. We could push him to go yeah. a lot deeper than one would normally. Maybe we should do a, a supplement. Uh, I'd be fine with that on this topic, but with Paul. But I'm fine with talking about this topic uh, okay. without him. Well, let's uh, um, let's hold off though on a second on on, on getting into it. Okay, because what I want to get into first is the, there's a thing I want to tell you guys about. Uh, it's called tweakedaudio.com. dot mm-hmm. and what it is, it's these guys and gals, and they make uh, professional level earbuds for your ears for your iPod or or other uh, MP3 player. Um, or I guess any any listening. Use, I use it with my regular desktop computer, David. Oh, there you go. Oh, actually, I do that at work. Uh, I have an iPad. Plug them right in. I don't have an iPad. Okay. Um, the PO box is on the website. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, all right. Um, but whatever you're listening to, a disc man. Yep. Um, what else might have a. A uh, Walkman, a, a headphone jack. Yeah, uh, sure. A Walkman. Your phone. Uh, your phone. Yes, yeah, I actually use. Right I use on my phone as well. All these things that have the the headphone jack in them, you can plug these tweakedaudio.com uh, earbuds into them. They're they're compatible on many levels, uh, and what you'll get when you do that is great sound mm-hmm. at an affordable price. That's right. Uh, in many different designs and colors, uh, but here's the thing. That affordable price, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys how to make it even more affordable. Are you ready to have your minds blown? Yes. Normally, right out the back of your head. <laughs> that's where we're going to go. Uh, put up a tarp. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> normally, when you buy a tweakedaudio.com set of earbuds or multiple sets, you would go to tweakedaudio.com. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm going to tell you to do. Go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, okay. and you'll get a third off and free shipping. Third off, free shipping. David, I'm going to go and do that right now. I even already have a pair, but you know what? Christmas is coming up. Halloween, it makes a great, uh, you know, a thing you can give to kids. I was about to say stocking stuffer, but they hold out bags and stuff. They don't hold out stockings. Yeah, yeah. On Halloween. But you can you can give it to... They, well, it would be called the treat then. A treat, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, don't, they don't even know the treat they're getting. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There was a house... A not tweet, in my, treat. Um, That's hard to say. 
on uh, on Halloween in my neighborhood. Not really in my neighborhood. It was kind of far and like kind of walkable, uh, but a little bit remote. Like not in the middle of um, a subdivision. Mm-hmm. It was a big house that had like a big like pond in the backyard. Clearly, very rich people. And also being remote, they probably didn't get that many kids. Right. So they would give out to every kid who came by a caramel apple and a can of Coke. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Those uh, people hate teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they, I think they're just a little Halloween. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I never got to go. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. That's all right. Um, anyway, tweetardio.com, tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. There you go. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Uh, it's, it's a new season of fall television, uh, which is probably why you started thinking about this topic. Listeners, listener, let me address you as one. Yeah, I uh, know who you are. You might think that me, David, this is David talking, uh, as the one w- who sort of has a TV podcast of his own, if he could buckle down and get it the fuck done on a regular basis, um, you'd think this is my idea to talk about TV in this way that we're going to talk about um but no it was tyler's it wasn't uh, it wasn't it was <laughs> it wasn't my idea <laughs> mama uh, mia so okay uh so i i've just uh we've been like hinting about hinting like dancing around the idea of that this is episode is about tv but only sort of about tv so i'm not even really sure how to summarize what this is about well you since it was your idea you have more uh, okay. uh you're on firmer ground to at least try i'll describe these two things and we'll see if we can find a common denominator i don't think we can but here we go so i was on facebook uh, as i am want to do sometimes and uh, i saw a a picture uh that was le- that somebody had shared from a little graphic. A graphic uh, that was shared from a page that I would probably never like. It was called, like, you know, New Art for the Revolution or some, I don't know, some bullshit. Anyway, um, and uh, I say bullshit not because of the idea of, like, a revolution or art being part of it, but, like, w- if you go to this page, like, you'll be infuriated because there's something to piss off everybody. Maybe, maybe that's their point, man. And so um, I couldn't have sounded more uptight when I said that. <laughs> so, um, I, but I, this graphic, it just, it bothered me so much because it's such, okay. I'm going to read this. Well, it's, a, it, it's it was an a graphic, image of a TV. Yeah. Of, of an TV. old style TV. Yeah. Like and the kind had, our parents had. Right. Yes. And with antenna. Actually, yeah. And the, and the right. knobs on the side. Yeah. Okay. I and did so, have one of those when I was growing up. So inside the TV, there's, there's this written. I will read this and then I'm going to bring up. Okay. On the screen. On the screen, yes. In the t- Sorry. On you're the you're describing the innards of the TV. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't broken open. It's not video <laughs> Um Okay, so the TV apparently has this to say. My job is to keep you distracted while restricting the limits of public debate. I sensationalize talking points to keep you focused on the trivial while ignoring the, po- the important questions. I never contradict the status quo because what I really do is deliver state-sponsored propaganda. What I omit is often more significant than what I share. Okay, now, so I read that, and I was furious immediately. <laughs> Um, as I am as you also, also wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so David has told me I need to maybe try to emotionally remove myself from, uh, from things that bother me. Um, 
I'm working on it. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I still do this. So, um, but then, but then of course on the sides, you know, on the side of the, of the image, there are comments in which people said like, Oh, I gave up my TV years ago, you know? And then someone's like, it's like, I, and then someone literally said two sentences. They said, I don't watch TV. I know what's going on. <laughs> it could go one way or the other. That second sentence could have been, I know what's going on. Uh-huh. You know, and the other one is, I know what's going on, which sounds, sounds a lot crazier. Um, I choose to go with that one, yeah. but it's probably, uh, probably the former. But, um, so I read that and I was very upset with it. And then at the same time, uh, Andrew O'Hare, I don't know if that's how you say his last name, who writes for Salon. Mm-hmm. He put out a, an article recently, uh, called the death of movie culture. And, it's a it's a well written article. I like I like Andrew O'Hare a lot actually, and um, but he talked about you know the old days that you'll run you'll run across this all the time when talking about film criticism. You know um, the old days when when discussing film was like the, the like you were on the vanguard of criticism, like talking about you know the the great movies and the impact. And he's talking about like maybe forty fifty years ago, and. Um, you know, the days of Pauline Kale and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, um, and then he talked about like, well now, and he mentioned like, uh, you know, last year, the best picture of the year was the artist. And then before that was the King's speech. And then it was the hurt locker and then slumdog millionaire. And he's like, he goes, you know, when's the last time you and your friends like sat and talked about these movies in any kind of real way? He goes, as opposed to television people are much more likely to be talking about the new episode of Louie or the new episode of um uh, breaking bad or something like that um and he sort of did he actually use those examples or are those uh, yours? yes those are his okay um most people in america obviously the people you know most people in america couldn't tell you what the premise is of breaking bad or who's on it you think so yes i I, I might be so. in something of a of a uh echo chamber when it comes to like a- any kind of art really um because everyone the- every single person i've ever met <laughs> That's not true. That I currently know, but in uh, this city, how, how, how many people are there in the U.S. right now? Three hundred million. Three hundred million. So one one hundredth of that watches Breaking Bad on oh, TV you know, every week. You know the ratings. What, it's what about three it? million, and obviously uh, there are people watching um, after on, the fact. Right. So maybe you say two percent of people sure are are watching the show. That's it's a very very small That's amount true. of people. And and Louis is even smaller. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I have no doubt of that. And Treme, um, uh, I'm pretty sure it's just me and my girlfriend at this point. <laughs> <laughs> even the even the actors are like, look, I had to live through it once. I don't need to watch this again. <laughs> um, I've not seen Treme. I think I'll enjoy it. But um, but it, and that was the thing. I think he he was bothered by the fact that uh, that it like a critical. I don't know. It's it 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 had this weird sense of I'll, I'll bring up politics very briefly you know people often talk about like you know conservatives like kind of they they wish that they uh opine for a time that may never have actually existed and there's kind of something to be there's something behind that yeah. that idea of like oh if we could only go back to the 50s well things weren't great for the, in the 50s for everybody you know and it and he seemed to think that like in Th- this, this is what michael sheen's character in midnight in paris would snobbishly call golden age thinking there you go uh did you see midnight in paris i did i okay. liked it a lot and i love his uh, uh, michael sheen is amazing in that he's movie. great and his character is written perfectly 
uh, like this, the, the, the movie won best screenplay. I'm not sure if I think it deserved it, but there it's little touches like this that I love where it's just, now I could be wrong, but I think, and he says that like, Oh, you don't think you're wrong at all. You're just, it's false humility. I hate that. Um, and we all do it of course, but, um, it, it, but it seemed to have this, this vibe of like, Oh, back in the, back in the sixties and neither you and I lived in the sixties. So maybe, maybe it's true, but like, Oh, back in the sixties, TV was nothing. It was all movies. What a glorious time. And it's just like, and there is, there is a certain, um, there is maybe not so much anymore, but I think there was for a while, uh, a certain stigma about TV so much. So I read in a, in like a response article, somebody quoted, uh, Harry Zim from get shorty played by, uh, 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 Gene Hackman, uh-huh. who makes the worst movies ever, uh-huh. but there's a moment when he pu- he explains who he is and what he does, and he puffs himself like, up. He goes, he goes, I make feature length motion pictures, no TV. Like he goes out <laughs> of his way to say, the guy who makes the, the the shittiest movies you've ever seen, he's not making TV, damn it, <laughs> you know. And so there there does seem to in like. I don't want to bash like Andrew O'Hare or any older critic. Of course, they're they're great, and I, I like him a lot. I like the way he writes, but uh, it does seem to be an older type of thinking that TV is less than, mm-hmm. and that mo- and the, like and and being like it, it's it was called the Idiot Box. Yeah, that's you know, and so this idea it's like like movies are losing to the idiot box come on guys <laughs> i mean hey it's just the and that's that's the easy way and then the harder way is like oh but it's you know it's uh it keeps us distracted while limiting public debate you know like that's the other side of it that's like this overly intellectualized uh view of it and i guess i sort of wanted to defend television yeah i, I think i think we could just refer to this episode as sort of uh the 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 modern state of television or the yeah. state of television in or just, the modern age or something or just embracing like i want to i want to talk about tv well, but also like movies haven't given way movies have helped to inform what tv is but well, tv has is its own thing uh, let me say this right off the bat and i'm a huge tv fan but um there are some things about both those thing those articles that i will agree with i think on, taken on the whole uh movies are better okay. because you've got more of a system in place um, for independent film and independent thought and voices that aren't informed by, uh, you know, commercialism. Mm-hmm. Whereas TV, even, you know, your Breaking Bads uh, and, and your, uh, I don't know, Boardwalk Empires are still... Um, that they are still beholden. There's almost no, there's no way on TV, uh, uh, to make an do independent work. Yeah. Now you do can do that on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that probably is being done. And I know it is being done quite a bit, um, in, in short form. Uh, and, and I think, there will come a time very soon we'll we will probably or maybe not very soon i don't know in the next 10 years i think there will be i predict there will be an age of independently produced in internet to serialized television that will be sort of like the early 90s uh american indie boom in film that's that's my prediction is that that will happen at some point 
and then as and then I predict that as that starts to give television a run for its money, then people who are who love television will talk about the death of TV culture because of this other thing. <laughs> like it's 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 always what happens. The thing that bothers me about yeah. the, th- the the Facebook thing that I read is um, this idea that and and I wound up commenting on this, uh, and I did forward that on to uh, Paul Goebel. Uh, who responded in a way that I love because he pointed out the graphic of the TV and he said, do you see how old this TV, th- this TV is? That's how old these arguments are. Yeah. Um, which is, which is great. He su- he summed it up that these are antiquated ideas and clearly like, like anybody who says like, Oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't own a TV. It's like, that's unfortunate because you're missing out on some of the best art you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> now you're missing out on a lot of shit. Well, you don't have to watch that stuff. You don't have to watch it. And what's more, like for every one great book, how many how many mediocre novels are there? You know, for every one great movie, how many shit movies are there? I, every one great song, how, you know. I'm gonna parapha- paraphrase Pat Oswalt. Ninety percent of everything is crap. <laughs> yeah, you know, but for some, but to but to you know specify. And hey, I love movies. I, I'm I'm you know I I love television as well. But I'm much more of a movie person than a TV person. But it, to to dismiss any kind of medium as there there is no good in this mm-hmm. is ridiculous and i just don't understand how somebody can do it in good conscience i don't know it's yeah um <clears throat> i think uh, i guess there's a number of points that i want to talk about let i want to talk first about the idea of hammer away at him david i'll um, i'll sit i'll sit back Oh, well, no, I just, let's just start with one. Um, the idea of limiting public discourse. Um, I, I don't know where else. I, I guess there's, of course, there's the Internet. Um, but, I mean, increasingly the two are tied together. Um, uh, but also, it seems like someone who believes the thing in that, that thing, that, that graphic um has no understanding of nuance or progress by inches. Mm-hmm. Do you know, um, uh, that guy just, I guess, wants someone to stand on TV and shout radical opinions yeah. that, uh, you know, de- defying his corporate bosses, even though it's He's not- basically Howard Beale, who incidentally was insane and was co-opted by his corporate bosses. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, recently, um, the vice president said in, in an interview that he thinks uh, Will and Grace did more to further acceptance of homosexuals and, and, and gay rights in, in this country than a- any policy or any other, other thing. And I think that kind of thing is very important and it's not to be overlooked. You know, these these small steps forward, you know, however you feel about about glee i mean it's uh uh as i mean it's as, as as subtle as a hammer and it's uh very preachy but it is uh depicting you know romantic gay relationships among teens and uh transgendered people and just like just merely showing them as something other than an object of ridicule mm-hmm is uh 
uh, a, a political move. And it's not, not just, I mean, I, I, all the examples I've given have been about, uh, about LGBT stuff, but uh, there's, there's plenty of stuff like that. Yeah, it's... You know, you've got um, uh, uh, William Shatner, uh, uh, you know, wasn't the first interracial kiss on, on television was on the original star trek i, I think. think so yeah uh that that sort of thing yeah well i mean you've got like any number of the issues uh done on like you know all in the family um which and and in such a and i've i've only seen a few episodes of that but it's such a an odd way of approaching it by having our main character archie bunker be you know kind of a bigot uh, kind of a racist and yet the show does not condemn him mm-hmm. it condemns his views and sees them as old-fashioned but it doesn't condemn him that is incredibly progressive these days yeah like because now it literally is like well if you say anything even close to this I, I have no reason to talk to you or treat you like a human being, but the maker, who is it, Norman Lear? Mm-hmm. Norman Lear had this guy who was totally ignorant, said terrible things, but you did love him yeah, because he was a person and treat him like a person. Like that's like, and that's 40 years ago. Yeah. Like it astounds me that people yeah. still feel like television has nothing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, M- Maude had an abortion, not something like, that's a big that's a big deal you couldn't even the most and then progressive show yeah like i don't think even glee would uh have one of its characters have an abortion mm, i could yeah maybe i don't know i'm uh, when it comes to like that specific issue i have no idea what is considered acceptable to explore and what is not uh i think what we've learned from things like Juno and Knocked Up, which came out in consecutive years. Yeah. You appease the pro-choicers by voicing it as a possibility. And then you appease the pro-lifers by having the pregnant character decide. So if she makes the choice, which is what, you know, pro-choices are pro-choice. That's why they, uh, um, that's why they picked that term. And also because pro-abortion is not going (laughs) to, that's not going to do them any favors. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think I think that's the acceptable way of presenting the issue of abortion is to have it considered and then decided against. Now, when you say acceptable, I mean, do you put quotes around that? Do you like like you feel like, well, it's like, what about like, I wish this. Uh, I wish this thing had some balls one way or the other. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about acceptable to. Uh, the masses, so to the, speak. Yeah, the general audience of, the, okay. of those movies or TV shows, what have you. I own um, Lake of Fire, but I've never seen it. I, somehow, I've never seen it I, I think I'll love it, and what everything I hear about it is great. But like, I can't quite bring myself to bring to watch the three hours of abortion discussion. <laughs> uh, but I also want to. Uh, again, I don't want to be completely pro tv just like i'm not completely pro movies right. you know most of like i said 90 percent of everything is crap and even shows like gossip girl a show i watch is reprehensible in its <laughs> in its in its materialism and the way it uh uh you know glorifies um possession and wealth uh, as uh, it, i mean it the poor characters 
on Gossip Girl uh, being Rufus and Dan and Jenny. Um, Absolutely. Live lives you and I will never live. <laughs> like, okay. and they're only poor in comparison. But it is giving uh, it that sort of thing again. And I like Gossip Girl. Um, I don't know that I like it anymore. I still watch it, but um, that sort of thing is dangerous. I think uh, is um, a bit poisonous to to sort of um, say that like even the the middle the idea of the middle class is still something unattainable it's going to cause people to or, or inspire people to uh you know spend more and seek more and take out more credit and reach beyond their beyond their means um so i think that's i think that's bad of gossip girl on the other hand the, i mean obviously the libertarian in me says people should be able to you know yeah, sure. If you educate people, they should be smart enough to see through that bullshit and make up their own fucking minds. Um, but that still doesn't mean I'm okay with Gossip Girl doing that. Right. Well, and yet I still watch the show. I'm like, I'm like Archie Bunker. I'm all over the place. Well, but that's the thing is, you know, I mean, the show can put this thing out there and that's perfectly fine. In the same way, I'm, I'm sure I, I've mentioned this a lot lately because this is a really good argument for like taking responsibility for the things that you watch uh oh that's right because i mentioned on the show with kyle uh deadliest warrior i think that show is horrendously immoral yeah but after a while i was just like i should probably stop watching (laughs) and just and it like and you see how i drew the sentence out it's because i it took me a while to get there or at least let myself be there because it 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 you know the stuff that's quote unquote bad for us is often the stuff that somehow has an appeal it, it finds an audience it appeals to something inside us and with deadliest warrior it appealed to this idea of like yeah i want to see a pirate fight at night obviously <laughs> um and then watching like weaponry you know but then the way in which it celebrates this stuff is and then the the combatants that they chose uh like is insane and after a while, it's just like, I feel like maybe this is wrong. By all means, it's a point of view. I think if you were to ask the producers, they would say they are not glorifying violence and and really just reducing it to just like numbers and experiments, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if you were to ask them, they'd probably say, no, I disagree. Uh, but hey, it found its audience. So by all means, go right ahead. I Just don't ask me to be a part of it. I, uh... Part of me absolutely wants to. <laughs> I uh, have a, had a sli- almost a similar thing, but not to that level. I only watched two episodes of Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. Okay. And you know what? It's delightfully fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But there is just a part of me, growing part of me over those two episodes, it was like, I can't approve of this. Like, not, you know, it's fine that they're, uh, you know, rednecks. I don't care what their political beliefs are. It's about the fact that Honey Boo Boo, uh, Alana is her real name, is too young to be uh the, to be this sort of object of uh of this kind of attention it yeah. is uh I the mean, onion had a fun article written by her that's just titled you know this isn't going to end well right <laughs> right yeah <laughs> which is yeah and that, that was that those sentiments were i mean i had already arrived at that before i make decisions without reading the onion first yeah yeah uh if you can imagine um but uh those were yeah exactly the reasons that i uh, was like I, I watched the first two episodes and I was like, well, that was 
I'm I'm glad I saw it. I can take place uh, take part in the conversation about this now, but I, I can't keep doing it. I'm actually fine with not being a part of the conversation. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and th- and so that's the thing. There there is plenty of bad stuff on there uh, on on TV, but there's plenty of bad movies, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. Ninety percent, the whole deal. Well, uh, um, uh, I, I want to talk. Two. Uh, I want to talk about the things that. Um, Okay, because I said earlier, I, I laid out the reasons I think overall movies, uh, film is better than television. Um, okay. You've got, uh, and I'm not just talking about the political uh, uh, reasons, you know, that there are things you can say in independent film. Um, uh, but I think as far as, like, uh, pushing the the medium of visualized storytelling, mm-hmm. um you've got way more experimentation going on in, in, in film, mm-hmm. you know, you've got things uh, from, uh, Terrence Malick to, uh, the guy who made, uh, and I can't remember the name of the movie that was my top 10 last year was Rudger Hauer, Michael York, uh, the mill on the cross, the mill on the cross, uh, the guy, the Polish guy, Lech, can't remember his last name. Anyway, um, you've got weird things like that happening. Mm-hmm. And I think, Apart from Louis, you don't really have that kind of experimentation, uh, narrative experimentation uh, going on in in television, uh, and that's never really what been what it's about. Television is, you know, the, the things that uh, we that came up last week with like the things you look for in films, you know, where it's more about character and, and story. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually mostly how I watch TV. That's the things that I that I look for, and obviously, I like that a show. Um, like uh, like Breaking Bad, um, or 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 Treme can have sort of uh, uh, elegaic elegaic. It's it's one of those words that I always yeah. read and never never say. Uh, but sort of more lyrical. There you go. Um, uh, uh, passages. Uh, I, I certainly enjoy that, but mostly when I'm watching a show. Um, uh, a TV show. It's about it's about the characters for me, and I think that's partially or uh, almost entirely because um, a TV show allows you to spend so much more time with the characters mm-hmm. than um, than a movie does. You really you really get to know them. Uh, you, you know, I mean that's uh, that's why uh, my favorite show of the past. 12 months of that sort of 2011, 2012 TV season was girls. Cause I really felt like I got to know those people, uh, in the way that, you know, it was 10 episodes of half an hour. So five hours, you know, there's not a lot of five hour movies out there. You know, there's Carlos mm-hmm. by Olivia Sayas, but not a lot of movies that are where you get to spend that much time with a person. But, and that brings me to the point that I want to make the things that television does do better and okay. girls, uh, in, in, uh, includes the main two of them. I think um, there's a good argument to be made that uh, television has more strong roles for women than film does. And I think there's an almost undeniable argument to be made that television, that, that the things that are happening in comedy on television are way better than the things that are happening in comedy in film. Uh, I think if you look at, obviously, Girls, uh, Eastbound and Down, uh, Children's Hospital. Uh, I'm trying to think. Of I like Veep a lot. I, I, I haven't watched that. that. Um, but 
uh, you know, uh, Archer and Delocated and, and, and things like things like Even this. Even something You've like got, 30 Rock, which has gotten, you know, we've gotten used to it and it's kind of gotten, one could mm-hmm. say, a little bit stale um, or at least familiar. Um, you know, there was a time when like that level of silliness, you know, I mean, Arrested Development did not last. Yeah. You know, that level of silliness, like it, it made it acceptable and accessible while also having characters that you genuinely care about, but it still does not sacrifice the silliness. And in some cases it amps it up. And yeah, that's, that's one of the two prongs that I'm going to talk about here with comedy is that, uh, obviously there are always exceptions, like things like Anchorman, which I think is one of the maybe five funniest movies ever made. Um, and is a brilliant piece of, uh, anti-narrative art. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, that's a, I'm a bit of an overstatement. Anchorman does have uh, a pretty clear narrative. Um, uh, it just sort of... Uh, it's not that interested in it. it or, yeah, it, it, uh, it in, in, intentionally punctures its own reality uh, whenever it feels like it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and so occasionally you've got things like that, but you've got Children's Hospital every week being just fucking daring and weird. Uh, and, and, and yeah, things like Archer and Delocated that I mentioned, you mentioned 30 Rock. Um, and also Eastbound and Down is the one that bridges these two things is, in that it uh, is insane. I don't know if you, I don't know how much. I still haven't seen a single episode. Okay. Well, um, here's the thing, because the other thing I want to talk about is that com- the comedy on TV, like Eastbound and Down and, and, and Girls uh, and, and Louie, um, can be both hilarious and uh, really great character studies, and I think there's so little of that in t- in, in film anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, Woody Allen uh, still makes uh, good movies occasionally, but there used to be a lot more. You know, a comedy now just almost necessarily just means uh, something that's a joke machine. Mm-hmm. In, in film you know which you and i are still okay with by the way but when like, it's good when most good. of the time it's not when the jokes are good um but you've got uh, i mean woody allen is not making the best films of his career he's better than he was for a while um and then you've got certainly judd apatow uh but you, you've got way more of this stuff uh on on tv and eastbound and down is the one that is both it is both a great fascinating look at this character of kenny powers um uh, a person that um you are disgusted by and also feel uh great compassion for and sympathy for uh at turns and often at the same time and it's also just a completely batshit insane show mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh there is an episode this season that was um in extended uh uh, homage or the last the last act of it was an extended homage to the part in apocalypto where they make the guys run across the field and throw spears at them <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it can it can make this shift from being like kenny being this like hilariously hilarious but tragic figure to suddenly being them running across the field while will ferrell is shooting cannonballs at them <laughs> I do think, I think based on that, I feel like you would really enjoy Community. I know you haven't really seen, have you seen any of it? I have seen three episodes. Okay. I saw the Halloween episode from the first season, which I didn't care for. I saw the um, Paintball episode from the first season, which I thought was great. Yeah. And then I didn't see any of season two. Uh, And then in season three, I saw the, I guess, um, 
mid-season finale that was the uh, Glee-inspired Christmas talent, like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. pageant. Yeah, regionals. All, everything's <laughs> regionals. about regionals. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it had... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the show starts and Britta walks out singing and the dean goes, oh, Britta's in this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and here, okay. And that's the thing is, a, a, a community, I think, does a really good job of doing uh, something that I know you and I have talked about before w- regarding television. You know, for somebody like myself, I do tend to think of it in terms of, of seasons and then the overall show, uh, you know, the the entire run. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing things develop, of course, shows like Law and Order, like it is a case by case thing. So there's not a lot of arc there. Uh, but these days with comedy, they're embracing that a lot more. But of course, there's also still the idea of the single episodes. And I think community manages to do both. It can be a standalone thing while also having a, an arc for those that are paying attention. Like, it's a, it's a show you can drop in on, and you may not know all the history immediately, but you, you'll get it uh, because the characters are broad enough yet also specific enough. It's, it, it manages to do a lot, and it's, uh, there's some experiment, uh, experimentation there as well. Now, have you watched It's Back now, right? No. What, Community? Yeah. No. Uh, October 19th is when it, when it was going to be. Oh, I did read about this. And okay. then NBC pushed it to... Hey, whenever. But are you excited about this season anyway with Dan Harmon having been fired? I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, you're a fan of West Wing post Sorkin. Yes. So you're not, obviously, not predisposed to dismissing a show the way I am. Yeah, I'm not predisposed to it. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to, to continuing with the show, but, like, I mean, like, of course, Aaron Sorkin, I mean, he set the, he set the standard for what, West Wing was going to be um, and that includes tone and pacing and all that when you watch like when you watch Community and you see like just how far it is willing to go that can be a function of Mm -hmm. the showrunner and if they have somebody who's a little bit more sheepish then like I'm not I'm interested in the show just going further always further Um, and so but you know what season three the last episode feels like like it's it feels like a series finale and so if that's where i have to stop so be it um but i did want to go back to something that you were talking about um this idea of of characters and and coming into tv for character purposes as opposed to movies when you when you come out of a movie you tend to say or if, you know, as my dad would always say when we were coming out of a movie, he'd say, what's your favorite part? Mm-hmm. You watch a TV show for a season, maybe not even a season, first few episodes. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? Yeah. That's, that's a, what that's comes a good out. Point. That's what comes out more often than not. Um, every once in a while, there will be a movie character, like, for example, let's say Heath Ledger's Joker, that stands out. But that's bigger than just the film. That's that's. Yeah. That's like, oh, that's one of my favorite characters of the year. Like, they don't right, think right. about it in terms of the movie. Whereas TV, like, you have the people you like. And it really does feel like, and this is going to sound cheesy, but with TV, I think it works. You get to spend time with these people. And I do think it's entirely okay once, not unlike a friendship that has run its course, which I don't like the idea of, but I can, but I absolutely acknowledge it exists. We're getting close, David. I know. Um I only Goebel can save us, <laughs> but, um, I think we need to have a baby. 
Okay, uh, that'll that'll renew people's interest, or maybe one of us will have an affair. Um, you know, I'll go over and co-host the Criterion Cast. But um, the uh, but yeah, I think it's perfectly okay to remove yourself from a TV show when you realize, like, I don't like spending time with these people anymore yeah, for whatever that, reason. Uh, I you know I, I talked a lot uh, a bit ago about um, comedies. Uh, on TV, and I didn't mention How I Met Your Mother, which two years or more ago absolutely would have been uh, the funniest funniest show on network TV to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't watch the show anymore because it, uh, yeah, I, uh, I I changed, it changed. I don't watch it. Anymore. Yeah, I was, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you just described a relationship that yeah. ended, like, and just, and that's how I was with The Office. Like, I mean, those first few seasons I, I were solid, and then after a while, they clearly didn't know where they were supposed to go, and nine times out of ten, if a show doesn't know where it's going to go, it's going to start making compromises with the characters that I've come to know and love. I'm not saying they can't change. That's fine. As long as the change works within the reality that you've presented me with, you know, you have something as crazy as community and you can have a change happen rather drastically. And I'm kind of okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the office was supposed to take place in a slightly heightened version of our reality and at the very least, somebody like a Jim and a Pam are very much like us. And after a while, it just got tiresome. And I feel like I don't really know who these people anymore are anymore. And I just don't care anymore. You know, that change can also be, obviously, a really good thing. Uh, and this goes back to the the um, graphic you were talking about uh, um, and the idea of, I guess, discourse or whatever. Uh, television actually has a much more intimate relationship with its audience than film does because a film uh, you watch it and it's it's already done when you walk into the theater mm-hmm. and it's over and all you can say is here's what i th- here's what i thought of that you know you yeah. you have all the information <clears throat> whereas a, a a tv show can adapt to its audience now not doesn't necessarily i'm not talking about making concessions to the audience because that's usually a bad move um but it it can uh it, the audience reaction can help a show understand what is good about that show mm-hmm. do you know what i mean no um, absolutely yeah and and sometimes i mean uh, uh, a show even just the idea the fact that people keep coming back to work with one another regardless of the audience means that they find things about the show uh you know one of my um uh, uh i'd say after luck my mo- most the most regrettable first season cancellation in recent in, in the past few years for me has been Rubicon. Mm-hmm. Even though early on, I totally agree with the people who didn't like the show. You know, it was uh, um, didn't seem sure of itself. It didn't seem to know where it was going. It was uh, meandering and not necessarily in a, in, a, in a good way. But it actually did um, again once they replaced the showrunner. It actually, did start to find itself and become quite a good show. Uh, and that was, uh, I, I'm pretty sure the AMC, those dramas are, uh, like, like with HBO, um, completely in the can before they start airing. I think mm-hmm. that was just, a um, a function of the cast and crew and writers getting to know, uh, one another. And I, I can keep giving examples, uh, but Buffy is full of them, of, uh, people, uh, like Emma Caulfield, who played the character of uh, Anya or the demon Anyanka in one episode of season three, and then um, by uh, season 
uh, I think five was a regular and by the end of the show was actually my personal favorite Buffy character of all time because uh, the crew reacted well to her. She was good in the, as the character. The writers understood how to write for her and they kept mm-hmm. bringing her back. Uh, and, you know, I guess you don't have that luxury in a movie. It could be, you know, you and I talk about like with, with Geely, like the best stuff is Christopher Walken and Al Pacino. Yeah. Uh, not that they're together. Those are like the two best scenes, the ones with them. And maybe if the, if Martin Brest knew that yeah. he, he could have like changed the movie to, to more of that sensibility. Yeah. Everything about, and it's, it's different now, of course, because, uh, you know, you watch so, so much more often than you watch movies on your TV and some, way shape or form and and some of them you can get immediately you can get them the same day that they're in the theater um but uh but yeah i mean when you think about it like you go to a movie tv comes to you like it is accommodating you like a movie says here here i am what do you think uh-huh. a tv show says all right let's let's work this out and also, you know, can I come in to your Can home? I come in? Yeah, absolutely. Like a vampire, it has to ask permission, um, and then it will suck you dry. But uh, but yeah, I mean, when you think about, um, I don't remember the name of the characters now, and that's notable, uh, but I remember it kind of bothered me at the time the way the writers of, the, the makers of Lost treated two characters. You know who I'm talking about? Nikki and Paolo? Nikki and Paolo, that's yeah. right. And like, viewers didn't just decide they didn't like them. And so they killed them off in a rather grisly way that sort of took pleasure in how, in how awful it was that, uh, you know, and part of me is like, come on, like you created these characters. I was bringing a movie mentality into it. I still maybe think that they didn't have to do that, that maybe it's like, Hey, just trust us. Uh And I think maybe, and we'll get into maybe some of the downsides of TV as well, but like, you know, they, they could have said like, well, just trust us. We created these characters for a reason. Just, just bear with us for the rest of the season. They could have done that. But at the same time, it's like you've already, you know, the audience was saying you've already established the characters that are, and they're great. They're amazing. We don't need these other people, you know, and even, and some, and we're even okay with some new, new characters like a Ben Linus or like a Mr. Echo or something like that. Like we're okay with that. These characters are bad and we don't care about them. <laughs> Uh, and if you're and, and maybe they could have they could have changed those characters because I I agree that the way and I guess you spoiled uh, season three there of um, uh, of Lost Nikki and Paolo by die. which no I spoil the fate of Nikki and Paolo I don't spoil season three season three continues unabated like it's <laughs> yeah. go, it's fine without them um, and but I, uh, I I also have problems with the way that uh, Nikki and Paolo were done away with. But I, I do want to say that episode, their final episode, Expose, gets a bad rap because I actually think that episode is delightful. I love that uh, episode, and it's it's a very um, in the way that the way that Nikki and Paolo are 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 dispatched is the bad kind of uh, fan service. Mm-hmm. the The episode before that is the best kind of fan service because it's. Uh, for those who don't know, you know they were introduced in season three as if they had been there the whole time, right? Um, they're just like, oh, here's two more survivors because there were always survivors that you yeah. that were basically just red shirts to you know uh, to be killed, um, and so they were like the premise was here's two of them, uh, and then in expose we get to see not only their flashback to their off island life, we get to see the entire two and a half seasons like huge moments from the two and a half seasons previously uh that 
uh, from a point of view that we didn't know about like things like paulo find found the pearl station i think before <laughs> yeah locked in <laughs> like i think that's hilarious it's funny but it also winds up being kind of a nice comment on like hey these other characters that are just kind of cannon fodder basically <laughs> um you know that's kind of an amusing you mentioned red shirts the star trek reference and and one that is kind of intended to be funny at this point like the mm-hmm. idea of the red shirt but um but it's like these are also people and they also have a part to play here. Um, we don't like these characters, so we're going to kill them off. Or more specifically, you don't like these characters, so we'll kill them off. <laughs> right. we'll, sa- we'll sacrifice them to you, the viewer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I liked what they did. That's one of the reasons I love that episode is because of what they choose to do and how they choose to kind of take the TV show and all of its self-seriousness and mm-hmm. turn it on its head and be like, yeah, these stumble bums, uh, <laughs> you know, spilled their ass into like the, the mysteries that it took everyone else three seasons to get into. Yeah. And also uh, that episode has Billy D. Williams in it. It does. That's <laughs> in, right. In, in the flashback part. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so I feel like that is, so we're, we're getting into sort of, uh, you know, what TV, yeah. not not what it does poorly, but like one of the yeah, problems. Uh, I want to wrap up soon yeah. because I'm tired and my throat hurts. Um, but uh, you said there were, uh, you wanted to get into some negatives of TV. Yeah. And one I is, think that's good. And one is the idea, like, the you know, the way I define art is somebody, somebody looks at the world around them, they, they see things in it. It might be a specific type of person. It could be a specific story. It could be a specific image. It could be a theme. They see something in it that they think is worth expressing in some way. And so they do that. And you get to see what is going, basically how this person sees the world in some way. And this might be, that might be a little high-minded and a little ambitious because certainly not every piece of art is trying that. But Mm -hmm. But to a certain extent, I think that's what it is or what it can be. Um, well, we, well, you know what? We need to stick a pin in that because we need to do an episode. I've said this to you off mic. I've written it down places. I'm going to say it on the podcast so our listeners will hold us to it. I want to do an episode about whether or not a film's themes have to be intended by the mm. by the filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, that's... We should get Armin Armin White in here, yeah, because that's a big thing of his. Yes, um, but uh, but yeah, and so so I feel like that's that's what it is. And so when you there's not necessarily a lot of a lot of interactivity to it, and that to me I find very comforting. Like even I, I arrive at this thing, and this is what somebody's view of the world is. I might agree with it, I might not. Even if I don't, it might still resonate with me, and that's kind of interesting. Like it, it's it's it is kind of a wall or one could say a mirror. It's a thing that is just there. You can't interact with it. You can't change it. And I like that. Um, because then it's all about your reaction to it. The thing about TV is that there is a lot of, you know, that audience, that audience interactivity, or, or one could say the, the, the discussion that happens between the TV show and the audience, that can be a wonderful thing, but it can also be a detrimental thing. Like, because then you start to see, Honestly, I think you get to something kind of like The Office where, uh, hey, this character's testing well, not not to put it in purely network or studio terms, but like people like this character, we're going to raise them to a stature he never should have been. Creed. Creed, Kevin, yeah. you know, like who are fine characters. Creed is delightful the more mysterious he is. Yes. Don't make him the center of an episode. Yeah. You know, like 
he's he's played by Creed Bratton. Uh-huh. Like that's the idea. Like it's crazy. And another example, I love Parks and Rec, and I have you seen any Parks and Rec? Yeah, the odd episode. Okay, uh, the character of Ron Swanson. First season, I wrote a long blog about that character because I thought he was amazing, and I thought Nick Offerman was doing great work. He still is. Um, but that's a show that, like, clearly I wasn't the only one that liked this character, and they started to give him more screen time. They started to kind of emphasize some aspects of him. And after, and thankfully, Nick Offerman is a strong enough actor who has a strong enough sense of the character that he can ground this character no matter what the makers of the show have him do. He can make him consistent and real. Mm-hmm. But by and large, it does feel like they're kind of doing a disservice to the character they originally created, not because of something organic that came from the character or from what the show required, but because, Hey, people seem to like this guy and uh, maybe we like writing him. So uh, let's, let's, let's see how far we can go with the character. And I kind of like the idea of that when it comes to something like community, but when you start to betray By the way, the, real quick, in the episodes of Parks and Rec that I've watched, my favorite characters are Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza and is it Chris Pratt? Or? Oh, Chris, he, now he's a character that you can do things with um, because he is, I, I've never, it's rare for me to see a character that is just straight up stupid <laughs> that I love and have well, such affection for. And he's one of them. One of the episodes I watched is when they went to, I guess, a club that Izzy's Ansari. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he was like passing out this new drink that he was selling and everyone yeah. got horribly drunk. And then the next day, like Chris Pratt is doing his job, shining shoes. And Arby Plaza is like, I don't, what's the character's name? Uh, which one? Chris Pratt's character. Andy Dwyer. And, and she's like, Andy. And he's like, and he jumps, he's like, oh, coming. He jumps up and turns around and then immediately just throws up all over the hallway. <laughs> that was hilarious. And then I think the first episode I ever watched, uh, and the reason I thought Aubrey Plaza's character was amazing, she was house-sitting for Rashida Jones while she was out of town. Mm-hmm. And Rashida Jones came back and, like, something was broken. And um, Aubrey Plaza was like, uh, yeah, a raccoon a raccoon did that and then Rashida Jones looks down at the like uh, watermark on the coffee table from someone not using a coaster and I was like and that <laughs> <laughs> there's one uh, there's an episode recently where uh, Andy Dwyer goes to the doctor for the first time ever um, not ever but like in his adult life and because what happens is he comes in with like a concussion and so it's like, well, how did this happen? And the, and it flashes back to him like trying. He's like standing on a on a rolly chair, on like a on a hardwood floor, uh-huh. and he's standing on it near the wall. And he's got got a hammer. He's like gonna put something up on the wall, and and he's like a little wobbly on the chair. And then in a brilliant piece of misdirection, he sneezes, and the sneeze takes his head right into the wall, like. And it's just, and it's just like, oh, you thought it was going to happen with that chair. No, it's even dumber. But then like he comes, he, at, at, at the doctor's, the doctor's like, so what, you know, what else, you know, you mentioned there might be other things like what else is going on? He's like, and he lists all these horrible things that have happened. And then he lifts up his hand and it's all bruised and his thumb is stinging. He's like, I broke my thumb on the way over here. And it's just such a, it's such a, see, that's a character you can do something with, but yeah. like. And that's something that came out came about organically. Once they wrote more of the character, they realized what they could do. Whereas Ron Swanson, it al- it's almost like the more you write him, the more limiting he can be. But they didn't let that happen because the audience clearly liked him and wanted to see more of him and wanted to see what Nick Offerman could do in these outrageous uh, situations. And that's not a terrible instinct, but I feel like it's not true to the character that was originally created and the character that we all fell in love with in the first place. But, um, but yeah, it's... 
it, it, it can be a good, you know, the, the conversation, I won't say interactivity, the conversation with the audience can be a great thing and a negative thing if you don't have the right amount of restraint on the part of the artist, I think. All right. Um, I think this is a fun discussion and one that I have been wanting to have uh on the podcast for a while we've talked about in the in the past we talked about like movie watching versus tv watching hopefully there's not a lot of overlap there but um but it is one of those things like it just it bothers me that and and i don't think andrew o'hara was talking it was saying that tv is bad and that liking tv is bad he just he was lamenting that like oh why don't we talk about movies like this anymore it's like well you people do but just because people are talking about TV like this, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of those same principles can be applied to film or art in general. Like, it's something to be embraced. TV is, has never been better. All right, maybe five years ago. But uh, yeah. there was a nice little golden age where you had at least three of the best shows ever on TV at the same time. Which was what? Sopranos, uh-huh. Deadwood, uh-huh. The Wire. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, all HBO. Those are three of the best shows, though. Yeah. But also, that's when like, that's when like, um, uh, Lost like was on. Lost was on. Thirty Rock was in its heyday. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The Office was still good. Like there was other there was other good stuff going on. Yeah. So, all right. But it's still a good time now. It is you know, great. This is it is really great, especially because you know, and this can happen with movies as well. But I think it can happen faster with TV, and that's good and bad because you know you get something like Lost, and then you get a bunch of imitators and they don't do as well but then you get something like fringe which is willing to do its own thing Mm -hmm. um but at the same time you know you get hbo which raised the bar for everybody and then you get fx coming in, you get amc coming in you get showtime coming in you know and just that's why it's one of the best times in tv right now and so like let's embrace that it's a wonderful thing yeah i think we did a good job of talking about the the pros and cons uh, of television and um and of movies and how they compare to one another and the fact that we don't necessarily need to compare them to one another. We and, can have both. Well, and it's one of those things. Okay, I want to I want to reread this. Okay. This is on the part of the television in this graphic. My job is to keep you distracted while restricting the limits of public debate. I sensationalize talking points to keep you focused on the trivial while ignoring the important questions. I never contradict the status quo because what I really do is deliver state-sponsored propaganda. What I omit is often more significant than what I share. That is true only if the viewer lets it be. Yeah. It's a democratic medium. Yeah. More so than film is. Yeah. Less so than the internet. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh... You can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can email us, david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you find at morethanonelesson.com. And my other podcast is the weekly television wrap-up show, Previously On. That's at previouslyonshow.com. All right. I think that's... uh, Oh, and I want to say thanks to everybody for uh, submitting us for the podcast awards. Uh, I don't know when the nominations will be coming out, but we'll let you guys know when you can vote for us and uh, or if you have to, if you can vote for us. Um, Yeah, you don't need to, though. You should vote for more than one lesson. Sure. You should nominate for more than one lesson and then vote for it when it is inevitably nominated i haven't been i actually have not been pushing it very hard this Uh, year so i could see it not happening but anyway it would be no big loss that's that is true (laughs) finally we're in agreement (laughs) um all right yes okay thank you everybody for listening and we'll get you next time bye bye